What up, though? Welcome to another episode of Don't Blame Me, Blame Detroit with your boy Brandon Jordan. And I don't have nothing up top to really talk about, so we're about to get right into it. So today's guest, this lady right here, she attended Howard University. She's a talent coordinator, casting producer. Um, I know right now she's working on one of TV's, Revolt TV's new comedy series, Funny as Fuck. And got a lot of more of the other projects in the works that she's doing. So I want y'all to welcome to the podcast, Monica Boyd. How you yay, doing? Yay, yay. Woo, for me. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> so, yeah, like we was just talking right before we started, you know, about the quarantine. You know, I, um, I started back going to work in June. You know, I work, okay. uh, I'm a retail manager uh, okay. at Fox Hills. And I still, I started going back in June and after a couple weeks, I really was like, man, I can, I can sure use another 30 days, uh, a break, uh, from, from dealing with these people because. Yeah. When you work in retail and dealing with the general public, I, I get that. Yeah. Cause especially right now we, this is literally from, I didn't work, I didn't work on and off in retail since I, I'm, I'm 33. So I've been working on and off in retail since I was 16. And this is the busiest I have ever been in my time ever working in retail. The busiest. It beats Christmas. It beats tax season. It beats it. I have, we're literally, it's like Christmas Eve every day. Well, without saying uh, the company you work for, what do y'all sell? Jim, I work for Chic. We work, we said gym shoes. Oh, the sneakers company. Yeah. Okay. We work for gym shoes, clothing, all that stuff. Okay. So we're literally busy every day. Then, then now what's made it worse is, is that they didn't close the malls. So the technicality that they have is, is that even if the mall is closed, if your store has an outdoor entrance, you can stay open. So my store is one of the few that has an outdoor entrance from the mall. So we're the only really relevant, you know, sneaker store that's open. So that means that we're getting all the traffic at my store. So not only that we're busy, but at the same time, you know, being cautious and trying to be and stay safe, you know, saying with, you know, saying having to deal with so many people on a daily basis. So we limit, you know, we have to very limit how many people come in the store, cleaning all day. Every day, you know, saying, making sure, you know, sanitizing myself all day because the last thing I'm trying to do is catch, is trying to, is trying to catch it. Yeah, that's crazy. And these sneakers ain't even essential. It's not. Why y'all open? It's not essential. <laughs> the reason we open because our owner don't, our, our owner uh, lost out on three months. And he, he want that money. And he want as much as he can get in right now. So. Oh, okay. All right. I hear him. But yeah. So I wanna I wanna know all these people buying sneakers and where are they going? What are they doing? Well, I can't knock them for that for the fact that I'm a huge sneakerhead. And so okay. all I do is, you know what I'm saying, that's one of my things. All I do is buy sneakers. So I I buy them and they just sit in my closet and just waiting for a time when you can go outside. That and then some of them I I have no intention of wearing at all. But Okay. But it's um yeah, it's just waiting for like uh I went out to eat what twice in the last month and i and i was like i was geeking i, I made sure i got all dressed up with your brand new sneakers <laughs> yep hilarious because <laughs> i had no 
because I haven't had nowhere to go. Okay. Look at you out there flexing <laughs> for nobody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I want, so I want to ask you because it's been a lot of, um, noise. It's been a lot of good noise in the, in the, um, in the news talking about HBCUs. Okay. And I wanted to ask you, like, have you seen the news about the, uh, the basketball player that's going to Howard? I absolutely did. I did, that's, and I thought that was a, a brave choice for him. And I think that's a, a trailblazing choice for him because hopefully other um, highly sought-after recruits will um, opt to do um, HBCUs instead of going to some of these uh, big-name colleges. Um, and that'll, you know, bring more money and focus to uh, HBCU um, athletic um, divisions. Yeah, because, and they was, um, and I was reading about it, and they were just talking about how, for that exact reason, that could be the, you know, the positive for it, is that it can bring a lot more attention um, to these schools and bring the athletic departments to another level, uh, especially Absolutely. with funding. Um, Absolutely. But, I'm, I'm very happy that he chose HU, that he's, he's going to be a bison, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, the, that, that'll bring the school some more. I mean, when I was going to Howard, our basketball team, you know, they, they were okay. They were all right. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have, um, you know, a huge college, um, uh, you know, high school um, senior like that mm-hmm. coming through. So that, that's amazing. Yeah, because they was like, and they also said not one of the the negatives they said for it that could that can mess him up because he does have aspirations of going to the NBA, and they said right. that one of the negatives if it doesn't work out is that he might he might get passed over from that. Uh, I think that if he does well enough. And and listen, I mean, I'm not like a a huge basketball fan, but I know enough about basketball to know that if you do well in college, whether you go to one of the majors or an HBCU, you're going to get picked up. Mm -hmm. And now what's going to happen is once you get to the league, how well you do on the court, you know, once you get there is going to determine how long you stay. Right. You get passed around, you know, the pass around players that, Every year they're on a different team. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully he's not one of those guys. But I think he'll do fine. I think he'll do well at Howard. He'll bring a lot of notoriety to the school. And then eventually he'll be drafted by the NBA. And um, let's let's hope he's a top five pick. <laughs> oh, if he is, that'll bring so much attention to Howard. Exactly. And then it'll, you know, get more of those recruits coming through Howard. Some of those kids that are like high school stars, mm-hmm. they'll pick Howard, you know? Yeah. So so when you go on because uh, I didn't go to college now that's one now I didn't go uh, that's one and ain't nothing wrong with that because you know a lot of people uh, put a lot of um, stock in going to college but as you see how the economy and the world has shifted mm-hmm. going to college you could go to college for four years get your undergrad go back get your master's and go back and get your doctorates and still be making less money and be in all this college debt so mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with not going to college these days but you can become an entrepreneur and, and build your business all you have to do is be financially literate and you don't have to go to college for that right i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut no, you off no 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 go <laughs> i want you to go that's, that's the reason you're here go no i mean i mean really um 
I went to college because I wanted to be the first person in my family to graduate from college. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being from D.C. and going to Howard was a big thing. Um, and, you know, I, again, my mom and dad were young when they had me, so they didn't get to go to college. My grandparents didn't get to go to college because, you know, they were coming up from the South and just working to make what they could to, to take care of their families. And so I wanted to be the first in my family to graduate from college. I did. It was tough because I was working and going to school and had internships um, while I was in college. So, yeah, it was it was tough. But, you know, I'm happy I did it. But that college debt ain't, ain't nothing to mess around with, man. It ain't nothing to play with. So going to HBCU, what do you feel that you got out of it besides the degree? Oh, man. Um, and to be honest with you, I went to two HBCUs. Okay. When I first graduated from high school, I went to a small HBCU in Maryland called Bowie State. I heard that before. Yeah, Bowie State um, is out in the middle of nowhere. And... Um, when I got there, you know, as a as a, somebody fresh out of high school and with your new freedom, you lose your mind at all uh-huh. the parties and, you know, all the, the get togethers and all the stuff going on. And, you know, I kind of I kind of slacked on the academics. Yeah. So <laughs> so I ended up um, getting put on academic probation and then I decided I was going to work. But then I was working and I was like, oh, this sucks. Like. I was working at a call center for AT&T, actually. And at the time, AT&T had um, this thing called a tuition reimbursement program. Okay. And, you know, I was in there miserable every day. I was in there with a bunch of women who were bitter about, you know, their life choices. You know, I was like one of the younger ones who didn't have a baby. And I was like, you know, kids. And so I was like, you know what? this is some bullshit. Um, I'm going to go back to school and fix what I messed up. And so I went back to Bowie. I fixed all the uh, bad grades I had. I got off academic probation and I knew that I needed to transfer out of Bowie to Howard because at the time I was living in DC and just commuting back and forth. And on top of that, you know, Howard university has a bigger name of, you know, more prestige. And so I did that. And I mean, I never looked back. It was one of the best choices I ever made because while I was there, I got an internship at a local radio station and that kind of helped, you know, steer my life into the path that got Mm -hmm. me into entertainment. So, I mean, that and some of the friends I met, you know, the HBCU experience was a wonderful thing. Um, Just some of the, 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 the social aspect of it, you know, some, you know, I didn't party as much at Howard as I did at Bowie because I was working. And I was a working student who had to pay bills, had my own apartment and my own car. Okay. So yeah, I didn't I didn't party as much, but the social the social experience is something that can, I you know just can't be matched. I you know if if you're going to go to school and you're going to go to um, if you're a black student, I, you know I highly recommend HBCUs. Okay. So, um, what led you into the producing aspect, the the casting, the talent coordination aspect of your life? Oh, that's a long story, but I got to go all the way back to, like I said, at Howard, I started, um, I interned at the local hip-hop station there in D.C., uh, 93.9 WKYS. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the number two hip-hop station at the time because they had they were rival with WPGC 95.5. So I was interning there in promotions, 
And there was this woman who was on a morning show named Jeannie Jones. And Jeannie um, had transitioned from the morning show to like a nighttime show. And I just happened to be around there, you know, walking through, minding my business. And she said, hey, little girl. <laughs> she was like, uh, she called me little girl, but she said, hey, do you want to uh, help me come in intern on my show with me and help me run the board? And I was like, sure. Who was going to say no to that? Right. So I went, I did it. And one night, you know, um, after I'd been in there with her for a few weeks, she let me speak on air with her. Oh, okay. And, um. The guy who who ran the morning show, uh, he's a, a legendary uh, radio DJ from L.A. who ended up going to D.C. and making a, a bigger name for himself there and for Radio 1, Russ Parr. I know Russ, Russ Parr. Okay, well, Russ Parr called me the next day after Jeannie let me speak on air with her. And Russ was like, right, uh, hey, Monica, this is Russ Parr. <laughs> and I'm on the phone like... <laughs> I know who this mm-hmm. is. Like your voice is like, come mm-hmm. on, you listen to you on the rest. Like, yeah. Oh, hi Russ. He was like, I heard you last night with Jeannie. I, I think you sound amazing on the air with her. And, um, I want you to, um, uh, you know, pursue this. He was like, I'm going to talk to a program director, Steve, about getting you a weekend shift, the part-time shift. And he's like, would you be interested in that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. Um, and so I ended up doing that. While I was going, to, while I was working at AT and T in the call center, while I was going to Howard okay. and working at Kiss, um, so when I graduated, you know, of course that that little bit of time it got the entertainment bug in me, and I knew that once I graduated, I was either going to move to New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I was dating this guy who worked in the record industry, and he lived in New York, and I said, "Hey, I'm graduating." Um, so I'm either moving to L.A. or New York, and I want to move to New York so we can continue our relationship. He's like, well, if you're going to move to New York, you know, move to New York because that's what you're doing for you. Don't move to New York for me. And I was like, oh, really? Bad. And I mm-hmm. ended up moving to L.A. LA. because <laughs> I had like three people that I knew here. Um, two people who worked at the radio station with me in D.C. and a friend of mine who I met there my sophomore year. So I was like, well, I got more people in, in L.A. Plus, I don't like cold weather. Mm-hmm. I don't like public transportation. I'm moving to L.A. I got here and I, I've never been happy about a decision I made like ever. And I'm still friends with the, the, the ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. who said, if you're going right. to move to New York, move for, move for yourself. <laughs> like, we're really good friends. I, t- I tell that story all the time, and he hates when I tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, because uh, growing up, uh, Russ Park was syndicated, and he was in the, yep. De- he was in the Detroit market. So, growing yep. up, that's who that, that's who one, one of our uh, people that we listen to on the airways. And plus, okay, I'm good. a big fan of some of his films, also. Yeah, Russ Parr is the man. Russ definitely um, is the reason I got into radio and, you know, helped guide me into where I am now in entertainment. But when I got here, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. My mom was pissed because my mom was like, wait a minute, you just graduated. You got a job here. You know, I was working in Virginia for this mm-hmm. telecom company. She's like, you're going to leave and you're going to go and move to L.A. and you don't know what you're going to do. And I was like, no, but I said, but you know me, I'm, I'm, I always figure it out. I'm always going to be all right. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, I, I just but I can't stay here and work every day at a desk. That's going to kill. It's going to kill my soul. Yeah. And so I got here and. um I started out working at Fox in the business affairs and the legal department. 
um, for Fox Sports and, and FX Cable. And then I um, got a call while I was there from the program director who was um, in the, in D.C. They, Radio 1 had bought the station out here in L.A. He called me again, a voice you never forget. He's like, I can't believe I'm calling your ass. <laughs> I was like, what do you want, Steve? Like, and how'd you get my number? He said, uh, we just bought a station out there and you suck less than all the people on the station out there in LA. So I need you to go and go your ass up there and work and do, do some shifts for me. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I ended up um, working at Fox and then working part-time at the radio station out here was the beat at the time. And it wasn't, um, it was 100.3 to beat. Not 92.3 like it is now. It's 100.3 to beat. And I worked there for a few years. And then I met somebody, like all, all the friends that I met at the time, um, we ended up going to parties at this one girl Karen's house all the time. And uh, she was she was working on the very first BET Awards, very first BET Awards. And I was just like excited for her. I said, I saw the BET Awards with Cisco on the roof at the hotel in Vegas. Uh-huh. That was, that's like bomb i can't believe that you were part of that that's amazing she's like yeah she was like you know i did that she was like but you know it's, it's a lot of work and it's, it's something that you know that I, I just didn't do by myself there's a whole team and she was like the next time i do it you want to be a part of the team yes yeah. <laughs> so you as you see i was very lucky in situations where i was always a, like in a situation where i came across somebody that mm-hmm. ended up pulling me in I, and I've been very thankful for that. And so she pulled me in and I worked the second BET Awards. And, and ever since then, I've been working in the talent department, you know, and, and working on the BET Awards in the talent department on the production company side. At the time, it was John Cosette Productions. And that was the company that did all the Grammys. Okay. And they did the Grammys, the Latin Grammys and stuff like that. And so um, I was just excited to be there. I was very green. Um and I did that for a few years. And um, and then when um, John Cosette passed away, Jesse Collins, for Jesse Collins Entertainment, who did the new edition and Bobby Brown stories and, mm-hmm. you know, hip hop squares and all of that stuff, Jesse took over. And, you know, I worked there for a few years. And then I had this black lady when I was doing, because, you know, you when you work um, those kind of projects, it's for a few, it's for a month or maybe a month and a half. Mm-hmm. What you doing for the rest of the year? So you still got to work. So I was temping. And because I had the legal experience in working at, at Fox in business affairs, I always got temp jobs in legal um, departments, which I hated. I always wanted to work in development or, you know, marketing and publicity, but I always got legal stuff because I had that experience. Right. This black lady who worked in the um, legal department at Paramount Studio, she looked at my resume. She said, you know, your name is Monica Boyd. You can't tell who you know, that you're black from your resume, but from all these BET shows on your resume and tell you black, she's like, you need to mix it up. She's like, you need to start working on other productions. And so from that, I took her advice and I mean, it was a hard struggle. I started working on other things. Like I ended up working on America's Got Talent, which was like the very first season of America's Got Talent where Regis Philbin was the host and Brandy was one of the judges mm-hmm. and david hasselhoff was the judge wow. like that people don't even remember that um but yeah so i ended up trying to diversify my productions and then more and more i started working in talent and i got into casting and then my very first stand-up comedy series one of the girls who worked at john cosette production she was a um 
the line producer. Because you did NBC's, on, right? Huh? Because you did NBC's uh, stand-up show, right? I did that, but that was it. That was in 2015. The very oh. first stand-up show I did was in 2008. It was called um, One Mike's BET Comic View, One Mike yeah, Stand with Kevin, Kevin Hart, Hart, hosted yeah. by Kevin Hart. Um, and that was, that was, a woof. that we did that. I think we shot it over like three weeks and like we having like three shows a day and like, yeah, like, you know, two comedians each show. It was mm-hmm. a lot. And it was, I remember it was hot. It was in July, August in LA, but that was my very first one. I was a talent exec on that show. Bob Sumner was the producer. So Bob would just say, here, book these people. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing that. Um, and then after that, I did some more BET shows. And then the recession hit. And then everybody was broke. And every, nobody had a job. Kind of like how, you know, it was kind of it's, it's like, like now, but it just wasn't a health crisis. Right. It was just crazy. So um, I ended up sticking it out out here for a minute. But then, um, yeah, in 2010, uh, my friend was working on Last Comic Standing. And um, she was like, you want to come over here and help me with this? Yes. And and um in that season, I'm trying to remember who was on it. It was uh Dominique was on there, Tony Baker was on there. Clayton English won that year, yep. Yeah. Um uh, Miss Pat was on there. I'm trying to think who else like all the people that all the black comedians. Yeah, when, um uh, Jackie Jackie Fabulous Jackie Fabulous was on there. Uh-huh. So yeah, so it was a, a it was um DC Urban did that year too, so yeah, it was a fun year to do that one. Okay, so how has how has COVID kind how has the uh, the COVID been affecting the business right now for you? Well, we were supposed to be in the middle. Well, not even in the middle. We were supposed to tape um, part two of season two of Funny AF because mm-hmm. we did um, season two part one in December for Funny AF, mm-hmm. and we got those episodes off and they they still haven't finished airing. Um, and then we were supposed to go back around Memorial day and start taping again. And we were supposed to be, I guess they was, they should be, they should have been an edit by now, but of course we couldn't tape. And so, uh, we don't even know when this is going to be over. You know, if revolt is still going to be interesting in taping more episodes of funny AF. Right. But yeah, it's just that that that's one thing. And usually, I'll get like a another casting gig here and another casting gig there. So everything's been very very light this year. I'm very fortunate that I was able to save some money to keep me in a space where I don't have to um, be out on these streets tricking for dollars. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now that's I'm glad you brought that up because I've been talking because. Uh, talking to a lot of my, you know, uh, industry friends, comedians, actors, and stuff like that, it's, um, it's kind of like, it's 50-50. You know, some of them, you know what I'm saying, are hurt badly because yes. there's, they were so used to the consistent work that mm-hmm. they wasn't saving. You know what I mean? Right. It was just, it was coming weekend weekend, and it was just money going in, money going out. But then I have some of my other friends, you know, someone like, uh, you know, Keisha E., you know what I'm saying? She's talk, very smart with her money. Talking with her, she like, you know, no, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm good right now. You know what I mean? I, okay. It's not it's not hurting me, you know what I'm saying, you know, like it is doing some others. Yeah, no, Keisha, I love her. Keisha's um, very smart with her money. Keisha's a world traveler. 
And um, I just love how um, she's been moving. And then I just recently saw her on the news um, when, when they were doing the George Floyd protest in L.A. Her mm-hmm. and Donald George were on there together. Um, she's one of my favorite female comedians right now, you know, of the young class that's, that's coming up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. As far as people, because they're used to money coming, 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 I was used to it, too. But I also remember the pain from 08 mm-hmm. when the stock market crashed. I remember the pain of not having any savings. And so when you have that and you're fresh in your memory, it's not that long ago. You kind of you put some money to the side and you save and you make sure you always because when you freelance, you never know when your next gig is going to be like it's different for y'all as comedians because y'all can go on the road and pick up some money here, mm-hmm. do a show there, you know, um, and do things with your friends. Like, you know, I love that everybody does these projects with their friends now um, and then they can um, just put them up online and, you know, put and put your cash app up or eat, not even cash app, put it up on YouTube and monetize it, monetize it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Those are the smartest things that, you know, a lot of the comics that um, I've met over the past two years, um, the young, the young guns, those, those are the smartest things that they could be, that they could have been doing because they set themselves up to, to be able to um, kind of transition to not have, when you can't go on the road, you still have other stuff that you can do. Yeah. Cause I tell you, um, around the end of June, I started getting hit up, um, to come, to come out and do a couple shows. I ain't gonna lie. I was, I was still, I, I turned them down. I was the first two, as you should, the first two, uh, not only that I was still kind of, you know, nervous about it, uh, nervous about it, but it was uh, also it was like the money wasn't even worth it. So I'm like, I, just, I, tur- I turned it down. And then uh, seeing the D.L. Hubley situation and everything. That I'm was just, scary, man. Yeah. And then, I, you know, and I personally know, you know, people in, the, in his camp. So it was like, nah, I'm good right now. I say I'm not. I miss it. I miss getting on stage. I miss the camaraderie of being around people. But I'm good right now. You know, I, I, that, I was, still, that was a I scary situation and I'm just happy that everybody who DL and everybody who was on the road with him, that they're okay, that, you know, Bo and Clint are fine. Mm-hmm. And because of you, you got, you, you got, you, <laughs> let's talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about how, um, I got to meet Clint Coley. I knew who Clint was cause I follow lots of comedians on, on Instagram and on social media for all the work I do. Right. And, um, I knew he was doing an improv show because he had been promoted. I had already thought about going, but then a good friend of mine, a friend that I worked on last comic standing with, she was like, hey, my soror wants us all to go to the improv to see her cousin, Clint Coley. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I said, oh, I said, I follow him. I was like, I was thinking about going. She's like, well, we all going to get a table. We going to go. She's like, you should come with us. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go. I get there. And then she tells me like on, the, on my drive there, she's not going to make it because she don't feel good. I'm like, okay. She's like, but still, his cousin's going to be there. Go and, and sit with her. They got a table. You'll be good. Here's her Here's her name, and this is a picture of her, what she looks like. Fantastic. I go mm-hmm. and get in line, get in, and that's when they decided they're going to snatch my phone. And mind you, mm-hmm. I haven't met up with the cousin yet. And I see you. And I say to you, man, who, who what's up with this Clint Coley dude? Like, they they Chris rocking me with taking my phone. Like the last uh-huh. time somebody took my phone, I went to see Chris Rock at the Kodak. Like uh-huh. what the fuck? 
and you were like, oh, yeah, you know, the improv does that sometimes. I'm like, I'm trying to meet people. I can't even meet people because they took my phone. Mm -hmm. So they made me sit at this table by myself the whole time I was going back and forth texting Clint's cousin to see if she, you know, if she got my message and see where she was. Right. And every time I went back, she didn't, she hadn't texted me back yet. So I just ended up sitting where I was. But you told him what I said. What, what I said? You t- Thankfully, it worked out cool because because usually I'd have been like, "Oh my god!" He was like, "So, so you you you, you said uh, who did he say? He said, oh, you said that uh, I'm not Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle funny.' <laughs> like, why why are they taking your phone if if I'm not Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle oh. funny? I said, I said, oh, he told you I said that. Oh, okay. No, I. I remember I went to because I went to his house because I used to because uh because Clint built like a um a, like a basically like a studio inside his a apartment whole studio in his apartment so I used to go to his house and record and so okay. I went over there and I told him that you were there to see him and I was jokingly telling him you know <laughs> telling him the situation and so and he was laughing about it and everything so I so I, I'm glad that it still worked out because. I didn't think no, he no, it was yeah. cool. It was funny though. He was like, "Yeah, I heard, I heard you was up there talking and saying I'm not Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle funny." I was like, "Yeah, man." I was like, "Because he's like, I didn't tell them to take people's phones." I said, "I the man at the door said it's up to the comic who's performing, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, I've never had my phone taken at any comedy club before. Like, this is crazy." Yeah. He was like, "No, no, no, I swear I didn't." But anyway, Clint and I ended up. Um, talking about business and he asked me to you know help him with some of his projects and i now i'm working with clint on a lot of stuff so thanks yeah. brandon you're welcome, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so um with the uh so with, with the COVID, now I, I gotta get you know i want to get a little personal with you uh-oh a little personal with you let's see if let's see if i'm gonna answer <laughs> so is you so right now are you dating anybody right now I was trying to date, man, but, uh, you know, the COVID shut all that down. Shut it down. I mean, I was in a long-term relationship for quite some time that I, that ended last year. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I was really focused on work all of last year. And at the beginning, you know how at the beginning of the new year, you have all these plans for your life? Yeah. You're going to get money. You're going to work on all these projects. You're going to produce this stuff. You're going to get healthy. You're gonna, you're going to stay eat healthy, you're going to work out, you're going to work on your love life. Like, so, so work on my love life was at the bottom, but mm-hmm. I thought I would, you know, be out here dating and stuff, but, you know, COVID happened. So, how, so, okay, so you've been in LA for, for quite a bit. For, for a, a while. Time. For a while. I ain't even going to say how many years, I've just been <laughs> here for a while. So, one of, the, so I have a lot of female, I have a lot of female friends, and one of the biggest complaints that they have is, is that the black men out here don't want the black woman. You know what? I'm not going to say that's my experience. I mean, um, before my the end of my last relationship, my long-term relationship, I had dated in L.A. before he and I got together. And what I will say is that the reason I stayed with him as long as I did, even I know it was fucked up, um, was because I remembered how bad the dating scene in L.A. was. And I was like, you know what? He ain't that bad. I'm just going to go ahead and stay with him. You know what? Uh, he's getting on my nerves. But I'm going to go ahead and stay with him. Uh-huh. Um, but then when we finally did break up, um, 
it was it was like a hard few months but then I was like okay I'll get it together I'll get back out there and what I will say I haven't experienced there are definitely your you know those the group of black men who don't mess with black women but then there's the group of black men who um just are so used to being catered to and being chased after themselves that they don't feel like they need to do much to try to get you or even you know um pursue a relationship or don't want to be in a relationship because they have so many options Mm -hmm. that's what i will say like jackie fabulous posted something a few weeks ago um she's been she's been posting throughout the covid like about her new boyfriend in new york okay (laughs) and so i guess people have been commenting that they tired of hearing her talk about her boyfriend she said for all y'all who mad about me posting about my boyfriend i just want y'all to know the entire time i lived in l.a for, for 20 years, I had sex a total of six times. I was like, oh, sh- shit. And I was like, that's, but you know what? That's real. And I remember bringing it up to Clint and I brought it up to another male comic. And they were like, that's her fault. No, it's not. That's how it is out here. Like, you could, you want to be on dates. You want to see guys. But these dudes out here have so many options. Like, there are you know, all the different ethnicities of women that they could date. And then on top of that, all the the black women who are here, who are open to, you know, just doing whatever. Mm-hmm. When I say whatever, I mean, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then there's the group of black women who are looking for relationships. So when these men um, see that they have all these choices, they're like, uh, you know, you, you're cute and all, yeah. but um, I got these other 10 over here. I'm going to see what, you know, because she a little bit less drama, you know, a little bit less drama or she got more money than you or her ass is fatter or her place is nicer or her car is bigger. Like, whatever the case is, Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely different out here. I was just telling somebody that last week. It's different out here. Somebody's like, oh, I know you got people in your DMs. Your DMs are popping. I'm like, no, my DMs are not popping. (laughs) And. And what's so crazy is, is that one of my friends, I'm not going to say her name, but one of my friends, um, we were talking and she said she's been in L.A. She said she first came out to L.A. to uh, to, to fill it out back in 08, 09. Uh-huh. And then she moved here, I think, about four years ago. She's about four years ago. And she says that she says that black men do not approach her. She said, well, 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 first thing she really said, men don't approach her. But she said, specifically, black men do not approach her. She said, if I do get approached, she said, it's either by a white man or Armenian. That's it. And she says, and that's even, and that's still rare. She said, I have never dated in L.A. She always, she said, anybody that I have ever, you know, talked to or said that we're dating is always being from someone back, you know, home where she's from. And I was just like, and it, it was crazy to me because I'm looking like, shit, what you mean? <laughs> I'm looking at you like, I've been trying to holler at you every day. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? That's a word, though. And that's true. Um, now, before COVID shut down, like, I, I can't even say that I was in the space where I would be approached by, you know, a bunch of men anyway, because I was all the most of mostly I was going out to comedy clubs. Mm hmm. So if I was talking to anybody, it was comics. And, you know, I try not to go there with comics. Right. Um, but what I will say is that black men in L.A., I don't, here's the thing. 
you got to be in a space where men can approach you anyway. It, it, L.A. is so spread out and it's not like a huge black congregation. Like when I lived in D.C., there was a place where we all there were places where you could go where everybody was. And so then you would have more options of people or opportunities for people to come at you mm-hmm. out here. Those there's not like a big roof party every weekend or a big, you know, club like in D.C. We had this spot where people would go and then you would meet people there or uh, a brunch spot or whatever where it was just all black people. When you go places here, it's always a mixed bag of folks. And so if, it, if there's a mixed bag of folks, most of the time those dudes are coming with women already or their friends already. And then like, again, if, though, if the men are there with other men and, and, the, and they're single, they're looking at you like, you need to come over here and talk to me, girl. Mm-hmm. Holla at me. Because cause I'm the prize. Yeah. I'm the prize over here. That's how the men out here act, for real. Well, for let real. me ask you, okay, well, <laughs> I, I agree and disagree with that. Okay. For the reasons of, what part, let me ask you this, what part of the city do you live in? I live in Hollywood. Okay. I, I live in North Hollywood. Okay. But I am diverse. You know, I'm one of them people where... And in, in my friend, we go argue about this all the time. I'm not one of them L.A. people, you know, that live here. And if it's not within 10 to 15 minutes, I ain't going. You know, I drive everywhere. Like, literally, I will go anywhere in this city. And, and it Yeah, I mean, if me. you living in North Hollywood and you driving over to Fox Hills to work, you are really yeah. in the drive. Like, I get my, like, I get my, like, this morning, I went to get my hair cut. I get my hair cut in um, Gardena Company. You know what I'm saying? I drive everywhere. So well, I'm, one of, I'm one of those people that you're not. I'm, if it's yeah. too far, I'm not going. <laughs> so I'm. So I feel like you know where you're right about you know saying a lot of the uh, men. I feel like that's more of and 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 more of a mix uh, of people is more above the ten. Okay. I I always tell my friend. I say if you go below the ten, when you go into black down there, you going to Inglewood. You going to Compton, you going to Gardena, you know what I'm saying? You going to Long, you know, even Long yeah. Beach. Everybody's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give you an example. You know, uh, you know Ron Taylor? I do. That's one of my closest friends. You know, we're both from Detroit. That's one of my closest friends. I took him to Walmart with me, him and two of our other friends to Walmart in Compton. They were th- so thrown away. They said, I never see- I haven't seen this many black people together since I've been here. <laughs> They was like, yeah. they was like, we got to come back here, even though that's the worst Walmart in the whole area. But still, right. it was the fact that they seen all these black people together. They was just shocked because they haven't, because they like, they never really go that way, you know, saying other city. Everything that they do is, you know, Hollywood and, you know, um, yeah, I'm like everything. them, Burbank, Burbank, yeah. you know, saying because I go to the Walmart in Burbank. Well, before the pandemic, I was going to the Walmart in Burbank. Mm-hmm. And there's, I, I think I saw like some black dudes in there like twice. See the one. That's it. See the Walmart <laughs> I like to go to the most is the one in Rosemead. That's over there by Montebello Mall. Oh, you you out there? See that's yeah, that's okay. my favorite Walmart. That's the one I usually go to the most. Okay. And then if I don't go to that one, then I usually go to the one in, uh, going towards Calabasas and West Hill. Oh, yeah, you, you driving, driving. Yeah, I hey, I'm not about to live in L.A. and keep myself in a bubble. You know, okay. I like to get around. Okay. I like to get around. But okay. even with this, even um, 
the LA dating scene has always that's always been you know something people a conversation everybody talks about because people feel like it's so it's horrible. But well, how's the dating scene been for you out here? Terrible. You single? I'm single as all get out. It is terrible out here. But well, well fix your attitude and start nah, approaching women then. My attitude, <laughs> man, my attitude is great. Start start approaching them women and, and get out there and um. Oh, that's see, that's one thing. Get. That's one thing. See, I'm a Detroit. I'm a Detroit player. I shoot my shot. Okay. Oh, I, I approach. I shoot my shot. It might not go in all the time, but I shoot it. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. But do you, you know? Feel, let some, me of the, some of the Detroit people are, are hilarious, and um, some of the the craziest, most forward people that I've met in LA are from Detroit. So I'll give you that. Because mm-hmm. one, and that, I get that all the time. Because I tell people, I tell people all the time, I don't, I don't have time for for this. You know, gray area. This no. Let's get straight to the point, and let's okay. find out what's going on. Okay, that's that's me. Well, that's but, you, but there should be more guys like you in LA. So all these women wouldn't. I know a lot of women who are single out here, man. I mean, even on the productions that I worked on, like I've had this 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 lady who's I'm not gonna say her name. But she's mm-hmm. a white woman. She's like she hasn't had sex in eleven years, and I'm like, yo, what? Uh, that's that's now that's her fault. It's not her fault if you it don't. Is her fault. If you're not dating, if you're dating, and mm-hmm. for whatever reason y'all don't get to the next, you're just not going to just start passing it out to everybody. You just, I don't know. I'm I'm going. I'm not going to say anything else about that. <laughs> well, uh, I want. I got. We got to get to this though because. Um, this is one thing that uh, I have talked about. I think I had talked about once or twice on the podcast before, but I really want to get your opinion on it. Um, when it comes when it comes to being a black woman in in dating, do you feel like black women sometimes like limit themselves in finding somebody with some of their preferences that they have? You know, um, I've I've definitely had friends and, and known women who have the mythical list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of them do, if they're, if they're hardcore sticking to the list, sometimes you have to bend and adjust for the list. You know, um, he's got to be six foot two. He's got to have a job. You know, he's got to be a college graduate. He's got to have a job making this amount of money. He's got to have, you know, no kids. I mean, those things right there are things like, Everybody, every man's not going to be six foot two. The average height in America is five eight. I've had you know short guys approach me. Um, I'm five foot three myself. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's five eight, five nine, I'm I'm looking up to them anyway. I mean, of course, everybody has preferences, but you have to be able to be flexible. So you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life, and not and not and let this five foot nine man just walk out the door who's really into you and a good a good um choice for you but you won't date him because he's five foot nine i think that's flawed thinking but again people have choices and if that's what they want to do you know the, the ones who oh he had to have you know graduated from college and not just graduated from college he has to have an advanced degree he has to have a master's degree and a phd and i'm like why like then that means depending on who he is, he may not even know how, may know how to manage his debt and have money in the bank because of all these degrees. Mm-hmm. Like that, the women have to 
figure out ways to be flexible with these lists. So yes, some women do. I'm not going to say all, but some women do limit themselves with the, the, the magical list of things that they want from men. Yeah. I will agree with you. <laughs> I'm, but I, like I said, I said some. So, that's it's true. <laughs> it's not all. It is it's some. I think more of the majority, but you know. Then there are some of these tragic hoes that will fuck anything to come their way. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, no, you can't do that either. Now I was now. Uh, do you ever watch Vlad TV on YouTube? I haven't watched. I haven't watched Vlad in a long time. So, I think the most the most of the times when I watch Vlad is when he has Godfrey on there because so, Godfrey's hilarious. So yesterday I was watching. Um, he had he started putting out the uh, video. He interviewed Slim from One Twelve. Okay. So I was watching the latest video that he put out. And so after the video was over, you know, my YouTube set up to where it just played the next video. So he, it played another interview with somebody I never heard of before, but the dude said, so Vlad asked him, I heard that you did an interview where you said that you caught gonorrhea five times from the same woman. And so the, so the guy was like, well, it wasn't the same. It wasn't five times. I caught gonorrhea from her three times, but then two times it was from another girl. And the dude was, and so, and so then he says, then he says, uh, so Vlad said, so oh, he said, you, he said, after the first time you kept uh, having sex, having with her sex raw? without a condom, like yeah. what are you doing? He said, yeah, but. I, he said, "I don't be knowing where I get this stuff from. I'll be fucking so many hoes." At that point, I, I had don't to be cut- knowing where I get this stuff from. I'd be fucking so many hoes. Like, really? <laughs> At this point, I had to cut the video off because I said I cannot listen to more no more of this stupidity. <laughs> and Vlad should be ashamed of himself for putting that dude out there. He should have never posted that video. That's ridiculous. It was. I said, "Yeah, I, I had to, pure I, I ignorance." I can't even finish watching the video because I said, "He said, even though it was hilarious, I said this is just too ignorant for me to continue." That dude sound like he's a Boosie fan. Probably so. <laughs> Probably so. But, but uh, before we uh, before we get out of here, I gotta ask you this: Do you have you been watching some of the versus battles? I watched. Um, Jill Scott and Erica Badu. I watched Fab and Jada. Just watched Snoop and DMX. I watched some of Alicia Keys and John Legend. I wasn't um, as thoroughly entertained with that one, so I kind of. But I'm trying to remember what was the very first one because very first, the first one, one I think it was the, the Teddy Riley and yes. no when Babyface. I think no no that wasn't the first one. I think the first one was. Uh, I think wasn't it Swiss? Didn't they? Didn't he do one? Oh, was was it Swiss and Timberland? Yeah, Swiss and Timberland was the very first one. The very first. So yeah, I, I've watched most of them. Okay. I've, and I've been enjoying it immensely. I think the one I enjoyed the most is a runner-up. Actually, is is between um, Fab and Jadakiss and Jill Scott and Erica Badu. Okay. Those were my two favorites. Even though I loved watching Snoop and DMX, I was so sad to see DMX looking older the way he that, is. That's that's what I was just about to get to. I said, watching it, I was like, dog, DMX got so old, like, fast. DMX had, DMX had always been a, a, a little thin guy with, you know, no belly. But, you know, when you get older, you know, the belly starts to come in. 
I, and I was just so shocked to see DMX with that big shirt on, but you can still see his belly poking from <laughs> right. under there. And, you know, he got winded a few times while uh-huh. he was up doing this thing. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, but I, I still loved it, though. I loved and I love Snoop's energy. I love both of their yeah. energies because they were both there just, you know, going back and forth and supporting each other and not, you know. I see. But the, the, what I like about Versus is that, it, you know, it's a, like a brotherhood or sisterhood, depending on who's performing. And, mm-hmm. and it's great because people aren't really competing. They're just playing their music and showing love for each other. Yeah, because uh, I said Snoop almost was 60 and he was still moving around like he was 25. Snoop is not 60. <laughs> Snoop, I think, is maybe 48, 49 years old, if that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said he's... That's- I said, you leave still, alone. I said he was moving around a little better than me. I said uh, I said I need to get my stuff together. You do, because but see Snoop, you know, he he stays slim, you know. I think he, you know, participates in the medicinals that keep him, mm-hmm. you know, uh flexible and useful. Yeah. <laughs> so um I gotta ask you this question before we get out of here. I had I because uh, I meant I asked yes, you the second person I asked it to since I I been back recording. Who would you take? TLC or Destiny Child? TLC. Thank you. Uh, and I think it's a more of a, I, and I think it's more of an age thing because I had a lot more younger people say um, Destiny's Child because I think they remember them a lot more because they're a lot more versus TLC. I said... TLC got hits for days. But think about it like this. Both Destiny's Child and TLC came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But more of the younger people will say Destiny's Child because they just love Beyonce, Beyonce because of who Beyonce is now. And the girls in TLC, you know, left out, unfortunately, passed away. But, you know, T-Boss is not, I don't think she's really doing anything. And no. Chili, they tried to hold to revive TLC, but it's just it's not the same with, with Left Eye being gone. Yeah. So that's why I think that's why they say that. Um, but Destiny's Child, I mean, I'm not taking nothing away from them. I just love TLC. Yeah, you used to see me in my. Uh, if you catch me in the car some days, I'll be bumping my scrubs, <laughs> my uh, creep. You know, yep. saying waterfall. Creep, creep is one of my favorite joints by them. I mean, that's that's one of my favorite songs. And when I worked in radio. That was like one of the big hits, like for for them at the time. Yeah, and what's so crazy is is that when I was when I was uh, when it was when Crazy Sexy Cool was out, I hated that album. And now you only, love it. Only reason I hated it was because my sister played it all so day, much. every day. I was I can't stand this. As she should have. I can't stand this. But As yeah, she should have. So what you uh, so what's some things that you that you can talk about that you got coming up? Um, right now I'm casting a project. Um, um, can I guess I can talk about it? Uh, it's like uh, it's a financial literacy campaign that Kevin Hart and Chase Bank okay. have partnered up to do. So it's a, like a small, um, short um, digital series. Um, and then, you know, I'm helping Clint with his World Series of Spades. Mm-hmm. Um, and then helping him kind of craft um, how what it's going to look like when you, you guys can go back out on the road and go on tour. And some of the other projects that he wrote. So I'm just, again, thank you for that connection. Because, you know, you was talking about what I was saying. <laughs> 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 but, um, 
yeah and then hopefully um when things get back to normal we can um go back to tape and revolt and then i have a project that i'm currently developing for some female comedians um for um kind of a a, a storyteller series um that i'm trying to get picked up so I mean, I have some things going on. Um, I'm just really trying to figure out how this whole thing is going to work. But what I have found during the quarantine is that it's given me more time to get to, um, like some comedians that I knew but didn't know. Mm -hmm. I know them so much better now because everybody's going on live. Yeah. So, for instance, um, I discovered a female comic back in Maryland, Ty Davis. Okay. Love her. Um, then that, you know, I mean, a female comedian that I already knew and loved from back when I did Kevin Hart's one mic stand, Ida Rodriguez, oh, love her yeah. to death. But I, I told her, I sent her a text cause you know, she heard doing the lives and sent her a text. I was like, I feel like I've missed so much of your life these past few years and all this shit I'm learning about what, what's been going on with you on your lives. Right. This is crazy. Um, Nick Carthen, like, um, Nick. I talked to Nick a few times, you know, just coaching him through some things that he was um, trying to put together as far as projects like getting to see Nick tell stories. He's, I said, Nick, you are hilarious when you are telling these stories about what happened to you when you were in middle school and high school. Like this, this is crazy. Like the stuff that, like your stories are insane. I can't even believe any of these stories are real. Um, Kevin Tate with his Zodiac show. Like it's just so many people that you get to uh um get to get to learn about. I mean, oh, Nate Jackson's twerk circus, that's nuts. Um <laughs> what I tell you, I've learned so much about so many people during this quarantine, during this pandemic, with just the amount of uh stuff on lives. Um, Kalia McNeil learned a lot about her. Like it's, I'm just learning mm. about people, and it's it's been good because sometimes when you know when the world is going at, at fast pace, you don't get time to slow down, and people don't have time to slow down and get on live and just talk. Right. And so when you pop into a live and you get to learn something about people, it's it's a good thing. Um, and and I think it's helped me with some um. um build better relationships with a lot of the comics that I already knew and the ones that I haven't met before but that now I know now. Okay. All right. Um, what's the Instagram? My Instagram mm-hmm. is um, Producer MB. Right. And everybody, you know, you know my Instagram, Brandon Jordan Comedy. And Brandon Jordan Comedy. Brandon. Brandon <laughs> Jordan Comedy. <laughs> All right, that was another episode of Don't Blame Me, Blame Detroit. All right, I'll catch y'all next week. Hold on.